Hey, I just want to say thank you for checking out this message today. I hope that it helps you, that it encourages you, and that you are able to learn a little bit more about who God is and why so many people throughout history have chosen to become followers of Jesus. If you enjoy this message and you want to hear more, you can find us on Facebook or YouTube, but ultimately you can find everything you need to know at clcwinnipeg.ca. There you can find more messages, you can find our social handles, ways to get connected to our church, and if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do that as well. And like I said before, I hope that you are encouraged by the message you're about to hear. God bless you. As we continue our series on the Holy Spirit is, uh, we've been covering a lot of different topics about the Holy Spirit. And today, I want to talk about uh, how the Holy Spirit is changing my life. And it has to do really with um, the fruit of the Spirit, as it's talked about in the book of Galatians chapter 5, verse uh, 22 and 23. I remember a number of years ago, I was driving down the street, and I, I saw this, uh, this gentleman walking, uh, walking along the sidewalk. And... His elderly mother attended our church, and she was probably in her uh, 70s, 80s, in there somewhere. And I noticed one thing as he was walking down the street, that he walked exactly the same way as his mom did. In fact, uh, it, it was identical in, in virtually every way. And we've all seen, we've all seen it happen with, with children and, and with their parents or, or maybe relatives how you can easily look at, at, at someone and say, well, they're just like you know, their Uncle Jack, or they're just like their mother or their father or, or grandparents, uh, maybe in characteristics, maybe in the way they communicate, maybe the way they move, the way they walk, their mannerisms. Uh, it's very common for us to have characteristics like those who, I guess, share the, the gene pool with us. And it's also true when we think of um, the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit helps us to become more like Jesus. When we are followers of Jesus, we become more like Jesus. And that is oftentimes a, a direct work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so this morning I want to, or today I want to look at, at Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 to 23. And it talks about the fruits of the Spirit. In other words, the the qualities, the actions, the activities, the, the attitudes, the responses that we have in our lives that are really equated as being the fruit of the Spirit, they're natural, it's, they're a natural outcome of what happens in, in our lives when we follow Jesus and we recognize that the Holy Spirit's at work in us and uh, we become more like Jesus. And so, I want to read those to you. It says, uh, But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there's no law. Now, again, I'm going to be basing a lot of this teaching on a book written by Dr. Thomas Holdcroft. Uh, called the Holy Spirit and some good sound teaching and doctrine in there about the Holy Spirit. And so the fact of the matter is the Holy Spirit does help us to change our lives. And I want to 
I guess just share a, a few different thoughts with you today. And the first one is, 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 that, is that we need fruit. Now in our own natural diet, we need fruit, we need vegetables, we, we need all of these nutritious foods to help us grow, to help, us, help our bones and our digestive system and all of that, that stuff. We, we need fruit to be uh, coming into our lives. We need vegetables to be coming into our lives. We need healthy nutrition. Now, when we have the Holy Spirit, we have uh, fruit that is manifest from our bodies, uh, manifest from our lives. It is an, an outgrowth, a natural outgrowth or a supernatural outgrowth of the fruit of the Spirit when we have Jesus as our Savior and we have the indwelling Holy Spirit at work in us. And so, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 to 23, those verses I just finished reading, it really talks about the, the basic fruit that, that our lives should, should show or manifest. But then there's other uh, references to, to fruit in the Bible that, that we might want to look at. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 9, the Bible says, The fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, and righteousness and truth. So truthfulness, righteousness, goodness, these are also fruits of the Spirit. We also see in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5 to 8, it says, add to your faith virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, and charity. And if you abound in them, you won't be unfruitful. And so. Uh, Peter is basically saying your, your life is going to bear fruit if you have these kind of qualities in them. John chapter 15, verse 1 to 16, I think is a, a passage of scripture that is worth paying attention to and, and probably reading on a fairly regular basis. So Jesus is in the upper room and, and he's, he's talking to his disciples and he's giving them this analogy of, of a vineyard, of uh, plants that bear fruit. And as we look at verse 4 and 5, Jesus says to them, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. If a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now that's a, an important passage of Scripture, because it, it kind of uh, helps us move on to our next, our next point. And that is, how do we pick fruit? When I was a little kid, I used to come to the city and visit my grandparents with my mom and dad and brother and sister. And, and uh, grandpa and grandma had these uh, big apple trees, crab apple trees in their backyard. And they only had a four foot fence in the backyard along the back lane. And thieves would oftentimes hop the fence in the middle of the night and clean out their apples, just steal their apples. And Grandpa got pretty tired of this and being a creative kind of a guy, he, he came up with a plan and he got a car battery and a horn 
and he set up a trip wire. And so if anybody came into the yard, they'd trip the wire and the horn would blare and uh, the thieves would take off uh, empty-handed, hopefully. But one night we were, we were in the city and we were visiting and I don't know what time it was, uh, if it was four in the morning or something, all of a sudden there's all this commotion in the house and my dad's jumping out of bed and my grandpa's jumping out of bed and, and they're heading outside because some thieves had jumped the fence and, and had hit the trip wire and the horn was blaring and they were gonna chase these guys and, and catch them uh, for stealing apples. Well, I would think that by the time they got their shoes on, these guys were long gone. We don't get fruit by stealing it. We don't get fruit by ripping it off and, and we don't get fruit often by our own efforts. Jesus was really clear. He said, unless you remain in me, you're not gonna bear fruit. And, and he really emphasized the need for us to just stay connected with him, to remain in him, to, uh, to abide in him. And so when we think about how we pick our fruit, um, it's not gonna be by our own willpower. It's not gonna be by wishful thinking. Uh, it's not something we can do alone. It's not something we can do on our own. We're gonna really probably fall short on mo most occasions if we're trying to you know, have self-control and peace and love and patience and all of these things, if we're trying to do it in our own strength. We're probably not gonna be able to do it too successfully. There's gonna be times when we experience some, some real failure in that. And so the Holy Spirit, when we come to know Christ, comes to dwell in our lives. And the Holy Spirit goes to work in our lives. And as we work cooperatively with the Holy Spirit, oftentimes what we experience is our desires and uh, our wants and our wishes change. But as we desire the fruit of the Spirit and dedicate ourselves to, to showing forth those fruits of the Spirit in our lives, we will. We will bear fruit. And the Holy Spirit produces that fruit in our lives. So Paul says something, the Apostle Paul writes something in, in Romans chapter 7, verse 18, which I think is a, a pretty humble admission. He says, nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature or, or in my flesh. And so Paul has this really clear perspective about who he was before Christ, but he also has a very clear perspective about, about his flesh and what his, his natural desires are. And he says, there's not a lot that, 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 that's good in me. And then in Romans chapter 8, verse 9, he, he gives these words of hope. And he says, you are not controlled by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. And so earlier on, Paul says, there's, there's not a lot of good in me that is in my sinful nature. And then he goes on to say, you're not controlled by your sinful nature. That's not what controls you anymore. You are not under control of the sinful nature. You are controlled by the Holy Spirit. And so cultivating spiritual fruit in our lives is a work of the Holy Spirit. We come under the control of the Holy Spirit. And when there is spiritual fruit, we begin to see changes in our character, in our attitudes, in our behaviors, and, and in our responses to difficult situations or difficult people. 
Rather than us responding to life in the flesh or in the sinful nature, we begin to respond to life like Jesus would respond to life. And I, I think that that kind of takes care of things like, like, you know, flying off the handle or completely losing it or going into a rage or losing our temper. No, we begin to respond like Jesus would. And all of those reactions, all of those emotions come under the control of the Holy Spirit and we begin to show the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. So to cultivate the fruit of the Spirit, how do we do that? Well, we need to yield to the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of times that we will sense the promptings of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Uh, sometimes, you know, people talk about, well, the Lord spoke to me, and, and no, they're not hearing voices in their head, but, but oftentimes that just refers to an inner conviction, uh, just an inner knowing, a, a sense of direction, a pull in a direction, uh, a desire, an inner desire, a good desire. And, and we begin to yield to those things that are oftentimes we recognize are prompted or our promptings of the Holy Spirit. And so we begin to yield to the Holy Spirit. Sometimes the Holy Spirit leads us. We talk about that. We begin to yield to that in our lives. Conviction. Uh, when we're yielding to the Holy Spirit, oftentimes the Holy Spirit will convict us of, of thoughts, words, attitudes, actions that are not good. And, and we begin to yield to those convictions and say, oh, I don't want to do that anymore. Well, here's another one. We, we develop a close relationship with Jesus. And, and that's exactly what he's talking about when we look at, at John chapter 15, verse uh, 4, 5, 6. He talks about being in relationship, about abiding in him, about remaining in him. That, that speaks of relationship. And so we, re, we develop this close relationship with Jesus. And, and, and as we do that, we're, we're spending time in prayer. We're we're, we're meditating on him. We are thinking of him. We're communicating with Jesus, you know, even throughout the day. That helps us to manifest and to show forth the fruit of the Spirit. And here's another one. Um, cultivating a relationship with, with the Word of God. The Word of God is living. It's active. It says it's sharper than a two-edged sword. And the Word of God is, is God revealing himself to us and his truth to us. And as we read the word of God, as we take in the word of God, it begins to change us and the Holy Spirit applies the word of God to our lives and brings it alive to us. And as we cultivate that relationship with the word of God, our lives are changed and the fruit of the spirit begins to, to show out or show forth in our lives. And so let's go through uh, what the different fruits are and just do a quick rundown from Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 and following. First fruit that, uh, that is talked about here is love. And love is a characteristic of a Christ follower. Not hatred, but love. Love is a characteristic of someone who follows Christ. Being a Christ follower is not holding a placard up and protesting and screaming in someone's face that if they don't behave, 
they're going to go to hell. That's not love. And that's not what we saw Jesus do in his life. He was a friend to sinners. He loved people. And that's the example that we follow. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. And so before you go into battle with somebody, ask yourself this question, are my thoughts, are my actions, are the things I'm gonna say, do they show love? Because Jesus said in, in John chapter 13, verse 35, he said, by this all men will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. It's, it's, it's easy to make a mess. It's easy to scramble eggs. It's impossible to unscramble them. And we can go around in our relationships and do all kinds of egg scrambling and make all kinds of messes and make all kinds of accusations and say things about people and hurt people and gossip and slander them. But we have to ask ourselves a question. Does that manifest the life that Christ wants us to show in our lives? Jesus said, it's by your love. That's your testimony. That's your witness. That's how people are going to know you're my follower is if you love each other. Well, here's another one. Joy. Joy is a fruit of the spirit. And joy is an inner gladness that I like this quote is not associated with our circumstances. I, I can get a, a, a new possession and be happy, but that possession is not going to give me joy. I can be uh, absolutely impoverished and have nothing in this life, but still have joy. Joy is not connected to our circumstances. Joy is oftentimes reflected in our outlook and in our attitude but not necessarily a, a result of our circumstances. I like Acts chapter 13. And we have this situation where Paul and Barnabas, first of all, it says that they were, um, they were verbally abused. And I don't know how you feel when you've been verbally abused, but most, most of us experience verbal abuse at some point in our life. And it can shake you to the bone. It can cause you to question yourself. It can, it can humiliate you. It can embarrass you. It can really tear you down. Verbal abuse is a terrible thing to go through. And so they went through this verbal abuse and they're, you know, they're busy preaching the gospel, telling people about Jesus. And then it says they were expelled from the city. I remember being kicked out of a restaurant once when, when my buddy and I were, were acting up. I think we were playing with the salt shaker and the waitress came over and said, okay, you guys can leave now. We were, you know, 19 years old. It's embarrassing. It's humiliating to get kicked out of a place. Well, these are grown men preaching the gospel and they get kicked out of the city. They get, they get expelled from the city after being verbally abused. And, and what does it say? It said they were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. And so that is absolute evidence that your circumstances don't dictate your joy. Peace is another one. We need peace and we need spreaders of peace. Boy, does this world need peacemakers today. Does this world ever need people that are, are 
are spreading words of peace around. We need peace today. Peace is, is this calm serenity that we experience. Even if the world is boiling around us, we can still be at peace. And in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, when it refers to the gospel, it calls it the gospel of peace. When you come to Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit living in you, you can have peace and it is independent of our circumstances. Long suffering is another fruit of the Spirit. It's the opposite of having a short temper or a bad temper. It's, it's the opposite of, of losing it, of, of losing control. Long suffering is, is having the ability to restrain ourselves when we're provoked. Um, we all have in our lives, we all have triggers. Everybody does. I, I think most people have triggers. There are things that will, will cause you to be angry, things that will cause you to react to certain actions. And long suffering helps us to be patient, as it talks about in 1 Thessalonians 5.15, to be patient toward all people. Gentleness is another fruit of the Spirit. And that really speaks of how we, how we treat other people gentleness and so there's this 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 gracious kind humble considerate demeanor that we have to other people you know i have i have met people that that really uh display this fruit and it's not that they're weak but there's a strength about them but there's a gentleness about them and you just feel safe with them you feel safe in that relationship you feel that 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 they're concerned about you, about your best interest. And, and in Ephesians 4.32, it says, Be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as, Christ for God's, or for, as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. That's gentleness. Gentleness is kindness, being tender-hearted and forgiving. And gentleness isn't causing pain to other people. So are you gentle? Is there gentleness in your life? Is there gentleness in your relationships with others? Or is there some abrasive attitudes and actions that need to be kind of, you know, sanded off? Um, Goodness is another one. And goodness is a determination to put love into action. And and the world has made a better place because people of goodness have been there. Uh, it's, It's being generous of ourselves toward other people. We think of of Barnabas in the scripture and it, it says of Barnabas in Acts chapter eleven twenty four that he was a good man and full of the Holy Spirit. He just had a reputation for, for being a good man, uh, just a righteous man. He was generous of himself. I, I, liked, I liked Barnabas in the scripture because Barnabas was the guy who would always go to bat for the underdog. He'd always you know, put himself forward and put his reputation on the line to promote the good or the well-being of someone else. Paul, in the scriptures, used to be Saul, and, so, and, and he says of himself, he was a violent man, he was an ignorant man, he was persecuting the church, he was, he was throwing uh, Christians in jail, he was, he was wanting to see them put to death. And so he came to Christ, and it was Barnabas, who took him as a brand new convert and introduced him to the church and endorsed him and backed him up and promoted him and then worked with him. He was a good man. 
Faithfulness is another one. Uh, faithfulness speaks of fulfilling our duties, being that trustworthy, dependable family member, employee, volunteer, employer, somebody that's faithful, somebody that demonstrates good character on a very consistent basis. Uh, Revelation 2 says, 2.10 says, be faithful even unto death. Meekness is another one. Now, this is one fruit of the Spirit, I think, that can really, can really be misunderstood. Being meek is not the same as being a wimp. Being weak is not the same as being weak. It's very different than that. Meekness is strength and power under control. When Jesus went to the cross, you have to understand that, that this was the Son of God. And he had all power and all authority. And Jesus went to the cross and died for our sins and subjected himself to torture and ridicule and mockery and embarrassment, humiliation and incredible pain. He let it happen. He was meek. He didn't speak out. He didn't try to defend himself. Meekness is power under control. And meekness is shown when you have the ability to act, you have the power to act, or to react, or to strike out, or to lash out, and you choose not to. And you're able not to. Uh, weakness is a sign of, of uh, aggression and, and anger and, and violence is oftentimes not a sign of strength, but a sign of weakness. It means you don't have control. And meekness is, is, is power under control. The meek win at the end of the day. In, in Matthew chapter 5, 5, Jesus says the meek will inherit the earth. So they win. Uh, Self-control is another uh, fruit of the Spirit. And that is a capacity for self-governance. That's an interesting thing. A lot of times people are resistant to coming into a relationship or becoming a Christian because, because they're afraid that they're going to lose control of their lives. They're afraid that they're going to have to give things up. And, and what a lot of people say after they come to know Christ is, I finally got control of my life. My life was spinning out of control. I had all of these things going on in my life and I was out of control. And Jesus helped me get back into control in my life. Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. Self-control is the ability to govern ourselves, to, to govern our appetites, to govern our habits, to govern our words, to govern our behaviors, to govern our our passions, our emotions, you know, whether it's fear or anger or, or whatever other emotions that people struggle with, it's self-governance, it's self-control. And that's a fruit of the Spirit. And so if you're looking at your life and, and it's spinning out of control and, and relationships are out of control and, and habits are out of control and addictions are out of control, the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. And the Holy Spirit can help you Get the control in your life that you long for. The Holy Spirit can do that for you. And so I just want to close by, by, by saying this, that Jesus is really clear about the fact that the fruit of the Spirit 
and being a fruit-bearing person is something that we don't do on our own, but as we abide in Jesus, as we walk with Jesus, and as we cooperate with the promptings of the Holy Spirit, our lives naturally begin to show the fruit of the Spirit. And it's available to all of us. And you can do it, as I can do it. Does it mean that all of a sudden we're perfect and we never blow it? No, this is a lifetime challenge for us. And, and I can honestly say that uh, there's, there's times that, that I've blown it. And there'll be times that you blow it. And I'm thankful that we can come back to Jesus and say, Lord, forgive me and help me. Help me.